<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. My favorite thing about working in healthcare is the people. This industry brings together brilliant, highly motivated individuals who are driven by the opportunity to make a difference. My name is Hallie Tecco, and this is The Heart of Healthcare, a podcast where I'll be introducing you to the people on the ground moving the needle in public health and medicine. Over the last few weeks, we have seen heartbreaking images from Ukraine, including newborn babies being treated in makeshift NICUs in bomb shelters, depicting the human devastation of war. While this podcast usually focuses on U.S. domestic health and the many issues we face here at home, we would be remiss to ignore the crisis Ukrainian citizens and healthcare workers are facing right now. The detrimental impact of war is not limited to deaths and injuries. Conflict also impacts health through disruptions to health systems that reduces access to health services and supplies. And the work of public health doesn't just stop when bombs start falling. In Ukraine, people are still getting COVID. Providers are trying to control a polio outbreak. Cancer patients still need chemo. Diabetics need insulin and so on. In this episode, we'll share a quick overview of the situation in Ukraine from a healthcare perspective and how you can help. On February 21st, Russian President Vladimir Putin delivered a speech that essentially denied Ukrainian statehood. A country the size of Texas with a population of 43 million people. The prospect of a Russian military invasion of Ukraine has become even more realistic in the past few hours following a televised address by President Putin. He said he'd signed a decree recognizing two breakaway regions of Ukraine and insisted that history was on his side because Ukraine, in his view, was not a true nation. Putin also essentially laid claim to Ukraine. He said Ukraine is not just a neighboring country. It's an integral part of our history culture, modern Ukraine was entirely created by Russia, by Bolshevik communist Russia, to be exact. On February 24th, Putin claimed the Russian military seeks demilitarization, but not occupation. Whoever tries to interfere with us, and even more so to create threats for our country, our people should know that Russia's response will be immediate and will lead you to such consequences that you have never experienced in your history. Soon after Putin's speech, reports emerged of explosions around Kharkiv in eastern Ukraine and the capital, Kiev. By the afternoon, Russian troops and tanks had entered the country. And since then, Russia has been waging a full-out war on Ukraine. We wake up this morning to a war in Europe, a deadly one already. It was unprovoked. 
But this is what Russian President Vladimir Putin unleashed on Ukraine. As the sun came up this morning, a missile striking an industrial park in western Ukraine. A helicopter assault on an airport outside of Kiev. Close, intense fighting. And there are civilian casualties. So Russia is now attacking Ukraine from multiple directions. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky saying on Twitter that Russian forces are trying to seize the Chernobyl nuclear plant, calling this a declaration of war against the whole of Europe. We urge you to lay down arms immediately and go home. All servicemen of the Ukrainian army who comply with this requirement could freely leave the area of military actions and return to their families. Whoever would try to stop us and create further threats to our country, to our people, should know that Russia's response will be immediate and lead you to such consequences that you have never faced in your history. We are ready for any outcome. Now, Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, he went on Facebook again to address the nation. He says he's imposing martial law but urged the country not to panic. Today, each of you should stay calm. Stay at home if you can. We are working. The army is working. The whole sector of defense and security is working. No panic. We are strong. We are ready for everything. We will win over everybody because we are Ukraine. In wartime, the dismantling of healthcare services due to destroyed infrastructure, understaffed hospitals, supply chain issues, drug shortages, these things often kill far more people than bombs and bullets. These effects linger long after the war has ended and impact the health and well being of entire generations of people. There are many examples of this throughout history, but the Syrian civil war is our most recent and one of the most gruesome. Syrian citizens have borne the brunt of the violence from war, which has been going on for over a decade. Since 2011, their health facilities have been bombed and few are still standing. According to the International Rescue Committee, Attacks persisted as COVID-19 spread throughout the country in 2020. Airstrikes destroyed hospitals, killed medical workers, and prevented many from seeking and receiving life-saving medical attention. The remaining Syrian medical providers are risking their lives to provide care, despite a lack of equipment and medication. The remorseless Russian bombing of Idlib in this last year has ensured that Al-Mazra is one of the few remaining hospitals. Dr. Saleh Adin Asalas has invited us into his intensive care unit. Father of five and one of the only anaesthetists in Idlib, he hasn't spent much time at home recently. Cases of COVID here have surged since July. Instead of war wounds, he's now treating those struggling to breathe. Even in this last week, the Assad regime has dropped yet more bombs in the southeast of Idlib. For Dr. Saleh, the fear is that if fighting escalates amid the COVID crisis here, his team will simply not be able to treat any more patients. According to the IRC, today over 12 million Syrians are in need of health assistance. 
and roughly a third require routine reproductive, maternal, neonatal, and child health services. 56% of Syrians fear living in proximity to a health facility, just given the risk of attack. 84% of their healthcare workers reported that attacks on healthcare directly affected them, their team, or their patients. And 81% know of patients or colleagues who were killed in attacks. This entire clinic is run by volunteers, and medicine is handed out free of charge. It's a small space providing a big service. Doctors see between 30 to 40 patients a day. I've been sick for 13 years. They offered me all the necessary tests and medicine for free. I can't even afford a loaf of bread, and I have four orphan children. I've been displaced to this area since March. They are doing their best here to help. I am very grateful to them. Adding to the already dire healthcare crisis, the value of the Syrian currency continues to fall, while prices in shops have more than tripled recently. Even though the conflict in many other areas has come to an end, Syrians in the country's last rebel stronghold province of Idlib continue to suffer. These wartime attacks on Syrian medical personnel, hospitals, and facilities are a direct violation of the Geneva Convention. They're considered war crimes, and now it's happening in Ukraine. On March 10th, a Russian airstrike on a Mariupol maternity hospital killed three people. Images of pregnant women covered in blood and debris flooded news reports. Vladimir Putin says Russians should be proud of what their soldiers are doing in Ukraine. <laughs> but where's the honor in bombing a children's and maternity hospital in a city that's surrounded? Ukraine called it a war crime and says children are still trapped. I want to ask you to respond directly to what we heard from Sergei Lavrov just a few moments ago. He essentially told me that this was all Western manipulation and that the Russians didn't, in fact, attack a hospital, a children's hospital, and a, a ward for pregnant women. Well, unfortunately, I can confirm that uh, Russian leadership, including Minister Lavrov, they live in their own reality. In our talks, behind the closed door, in the absence of the media, he told me, looking in my eyes, that the pictures of pregnant women being taken from under the rubbles of uh, the maternity house are fake. That they hit the maternity house as a military target because the Russian military was absolutely sure that it's, uh, it's under the control of Ukrainian army. And when I said to him, how, can, how could pregnant women uh, be pictured there, he said, it's fake. So it's, they live in their own reality, and perhaps it's good for all of us to allow to contain them in that reality. But before doing it, we have to take them out of Ukraine. Efforts to stop the fighting so far have failed, and the toll of this conflict is growing. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization has warned that medical oxygen supplies in Ukraine are dangerously low. Medical oxygen is crucial for patients with COVID-19, as well as other respiratory illnesses, complications, chronic conditions, and injuries. A regional emergency director for the World Health Organization said, if patients cannot receive oxygen, they will simply die, and their deaths are entirely preventable. Don't send us food. 
don't send us uh, clothes, don't send us toys or something. You know, the only thing we need to save life right now is medical supply. Bandages to syringes to needles to IV fluids, things that we often see frontline healthcare workers needing in battlefield conditions. Following the Russian airstrike on a maternity and children's hospital, hospitals across Ukraine began evacuating patients. Tonight, in a country where even hospitals are no longer safe, a special train bearing those whose lives rely on constant medical care. Children with disabilities, some of them with cancer. Medics tenderly transferring them from buses to a medical train equipped with intensive care units. The kids clutching their teddy bears, tended to by a brigade of mothers and nurses, evacuated from hospitals across Ukraine. One mother, who fled the country in order to find treatment for her daughter, who has bone cancer, told Reuters, this is not only a war with our occupiers, but also a war for the life of our child. As of March 14th, more than 2.5 million people have fled Ukraine for safety. This puts strain on health systems in neighboring countries as well. Poland alone has taken in over 1.4 million Ukrainian refugees, according to the United Nations. But they are struggling as the number of beds and doctors cannot simply double overnight, particularly in a healthcare system already exhausted by two years of COVID-19. The race to go west runs through Warsaw. Bus and train stations are full. Children are sleeping on benches and air mattresses. The youngest child we saw was a year old. We had heard about a new exodus arriving from Ukraine, but nothing prepared us for the sight of so many people walking out of their homeland. The mothers and grandmothers, the children, so many in their mother's arms, in strollers, holding hands, some no taller than their family's luggage. We can't talk about war without acknowledging the grave mental health toll on everyone impacted. Mental health is red on the World Health Organization's list as Ukrainians begin to cope with unthinkable trauma. Wars have considerable mental health consequences, ranging from depression and anxiety to post-traumatic stress disorder. They can affect both combatants and non-combatants, children and adults, on those left behind, as well as on displaced people and refugees. Wars can lead to significant psychological trauma, especially in children. We've seen in many interviews in past war situations, like what is happening currently in Ukraine, increase in depression, anxiety, um, fear of, you know, they're, they're losing their loved ones, having to say goodbye to their siblings or parents or fathers and not knowing when or if they're going to see them again. It's a painful paradox that in times of greatest need, the availability of health care is at its lowest. I think the single best way to help right now is to donate to causes on the ground. Here are a few. Project HOPE is on the ground responding to the Ukraine crisis and is actively shipping essential medicines and medical supplies to assist Ukrainians. Go to projecthope.org to learn more and donate. Doctors Without Borders is setting up emergency response activities with medical teams in Ukraine, 
Poland, Moldova, Hungary, Slovakia, Russia, and Belarus. Go to doctorswithoutborders.org to learn more and donate. Many other charitable and humanitarian organizations are coordinating assistance to Ukraine. These include United Help Ukraine, the Ukrainian branch of the Red Cross, the International Medical Corps, UN Refugee Agency, and Voices of Children. The International Hospital Federation spoke for all of us when they said, we stand in solidarity with the people and the healthcare community in Ukraine. The safety of healthcare workers and infrastructures must be ensured and respected to enable them to provide care to the people despite the context. We desperately hope for an end to this violence and we stand with our healthcare counterparts in Ukraine as they continue to provide healing to their people. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Heart of Healthcare. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. The Heart of Healthcare is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seeley. Our intern is Antonella Sterniolo. Our host is Hallie Tecco. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seeley. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.